You're listening to Frame 25, a monthly micro edition of the Brightwall Darkroom podcast in conversation with and sponsored by our friends at Gallery. Every month, we pick a title from Gallery's curated library and zoom in on a moment to better see the whole. I'm Veronica Fitzpatrick. And I'm Chad Perman. Actually, we're not picking one from the curated library today, but we're sort of doing a tie-in. Yeah, it's definitely a tie-in. Yeah. I'd argue even more relevant because it's fresher. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, the, since that essay is, is I think, the, the most recent thing on the site. Oh, is it? I mean, it was published. So the essay oh. that we're <laughs> the essay that we're talking about is yeah. um, novelist Emma Klein's essay on Robert Altman's 1977 film Three Women, which yeah. is a terrific essay, really interesting, like the film, kind of meandering and lyrical and mysterious. Yeah, it's beautiful. I wanted to talk about Three Women because I think of it as such a summer film, and that's a little bit of the <laughs> angle. <laughs> is that weird? <laughs> well, no, I, just, I was thinking of like we just said vacation, and I was thinking of beach movies and how this would fit in, and made me laugh. It's summer time to queue up Three Women. Yep, it's summer. <laughs> Put Persona on. Oh, I yeah. obvious connection. Yeah, I love like uh, women are going crazy in the wilderness or Palm Springs, whichever. Yeah, I was going to say, you, you clearly, we need to explore your anti-California bias at some point. Oh, but. no, I love California. <laughs> I love California. Because this is another movie that uh, just makes use of the huge, haunted, like, big spaces of California. The to, desert, yeah. Um, and it satirically pokes fun at that whole lifestyle only in the 70s version yeah. that Todd Haynes did on a couple pods ago on the safe one. Oh, yeah, 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 with the valley. Yeah, I was just like, oh, Veronica's got kind of a theme going here, yeah. Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive. I love California movies. I love the Dream Factory and just all the kind of space for meta reflections on filmmaking and the sort of dreaminess of how they're, well, at least when I was a teenager, there were no seasons in California. Now things are are a little different. (laughs) Monsoon season, drought season. Anyway, so Emma Klein had one of the biggest books of this summer with her mm-hmm. novel The Guest, which I did read. It's so funny that she wrote about three women because her prior book, The Girls, is this like vague retelling or imaginative reentry into the Charles Manson Yeah, the Manson stuff, yeah. cult. Which is a huge book three, four, five years ago. Yeah. I remember listening to Fran talk about it a while ago. So. Yeah. So Emma Klein, Summertime Three women. This is the Mm -hmm. sort of triangulation of my mind for the film this time. It's a great pick. Are you a Robert Altman person in general or? (laughs) Funny, you should ask. No, I'm not like a huge Altman fan, honestly. I really like Gosford Park. Oh, that does not surprise me. (laughs) Does it not? (laughs) Yeah, there's just something about Clive Owen in that undershirt (laughs) with those wire rims that just... Yep. Gets me every time. Famously the main point of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ellie McDonald. Hello. Social satire. <laughs> yeah. I hate MASH. I think I can say that on air. Yeah. I think it's hilarious that Altman uses the vast amount of money that he accrues from the success of MASH to make this film, which is yeah. so weird. And, you know, famously... The idea for it came to him in a dream. And I know that there's a lot of psychological interpretations of the titular three women. I can see that it lends itself toward a kind of psychoanalytic reading for a lot of reasons, but particularly because there are these intense dream sequences or at least one intense long dream sequence within the film. But also the whole film kind of unfolds like a dream. So It really does. Yeah. Yeah. Because everything is is according to some logic, but... The nature of that logic 
remains kind of enigmatic. So beautiful, yeah. But you feel certain <laughs> that there are rules and that they're unfolding in a particular way. And for people who haven't seen Three Women, there's three women. Uh, so <laughs> you got Sissy, your three women. <laughs> you got your three women. Number one woman, Sissy Spacek, plays <laughs> Pinky. Pinky. Like a recent Palm Springs transplant from Texas. Her past is kind of unknown. She's coming to start a new job at this like medical spa treatment type facility question yeah. mark question mark <laughs> and assigned to sort of onboard her essentially is woman number two millie played by shelly duvall i'm shelly duvall and she <laughs> is just like on one in this movie yeah, doesn't stop it's so great i think usually when you see a film sort of like this or playing with the idea of Women and and I should say they become roommates. <laughs> they were roommates. There's a lot of memes that are coming to mind as I was talking about this. <laughs> so they become roommates and they live in this sort of Melrose Place style mm -hmm. inner courtyard apartment building where the neighbors are very known to each other, including proprietor of the courtyard building and also like the saloon, which seems to be close by but not yeah. exactly next door. Woman number three, Willie. Willie. So we have Pinky, Millie, and. Willie. Anyway, what I was going to say is that usually in movies like this where, you know, it's kind of like a single white female thing, like we have a new roommate, she's obsessed with the first woman or whatever and wants to get close to her and maybe wants to kiss her or maybe wants to kill her and there's like an uncertainty around it and, you know, there's so many of these kind of what Miriam Bale, I think, termed persona swap yeah, films, persona swap like persona, things. you know, but often one woman is like crazy and the other woman is normal and she's getting taken advantage of or like increasingly freaked out. But in three women, the brilliant thing is that Shelley Duvall is like not normal in the movie <laughs> no. at all. And in fact, we kind of see it unfold that she drives everyone around her crazy. She's like a motor mouth. Lots of dating advice. Lots of weird <laughs> dating advice, like a walking kind of like cosmopolitan magazine <laughs> quiz or something. She has all these opinions about romance and cooking and grooming. It's very mm -hmm. sad. A lot of it was improvised, too, I read. She, yeah. Altman just let her kind of do it. Yeah. yeah. So as strange and childlike and off-putting as SpaceX Pinky is, at least in the first half of the film, Millie, too, has this kind of like vacuous off-putting quality and so you just spend a lot of the film being off-put equally yeah. by that score too it's two leads yeah it's yeah. a horror movie i mean 100 yeah, percent. like yeah. it's it's really really unsettling and i just want to do shout out to water which is all throughout the film <laughs> shout out water <laughs> shout out to water <laughs> love that so i was gonna say when you said like there's a lot of psychological interpretations like psychoanalysts had a field day with this for obvious reasons because you can read so many different things onto it but anytime you have dreams and water it's like a lot of therapists or psychologists are going to show up and try to interpret it so but there's some fascinating interpretations out there if anyone ever wants to google it including whose dream is it whose dream is it open question open question yeah there's theories there's fan theories for like the seven of us who follow that discord <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Ask me about my moment. <laughs> I was trying to figure out a segue to how to get over there. So I have a question for you. <laughs> what is the moment that you picked out and what is the significance of it for you within the context of the film? That's great. I feel like I'm in an oral exam all of a sudden. Yeah. The moment that I picked, there's all kinds of moments that are strange in this movie. That's understatement. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, Very strange. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm going really broad. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> There were so many, I should say, as I was rewatching it this morning, that 
just sort of like announce themselves to my attention. But I'm really struck by all the sort of awkward gestures and bits of performance that Duvall mm. and Spacek offer up in the film. The one that really sort of caught my eye in my rewatch is a moment when Shelley Duvall's Millie is preparing to throw a dinner party. She says, I'm famous for my dinner parties, which <laughs> listen, as someone who is low key famous for my dinner parties, you would never <laughs> say that. Like that's KOD. So she's like uh, assembling these like disgusting dishes. Like, I mean, no, no shade to pigs in a blanket cause that's actually delicious, but she makes these like chocolate pudding tarts that look really foul. And she's putting cheese whiz on Ritz crackers and like an olive on top. It's really gross. And anyway, there's this unboxing moment with what appears to be like individual (laughs) jarred cocktail sauces. Yes. For the Frankfurters, maybe the Wieners, who knows? Yeah, we we had a debate about what's the sauce, but cocktail sauce seems like a good guess. Let's go with cocktail sauce. One of my favorite sauces, a top 10 sauce for me. Sidebar. Sissy Spacek like doesn't know how to engage in the world of objects and she's like wrenching the jars open Mm -hmm. it's almost like there's a chimp in the kitchen kind of banging things (laughs) to see what will happen and she undoes the jar and explodes cocktail sauce all over her like 70s cotton dress it looks, you know, like really blood. harrowing. <laughs> yeah, it looks like blood. It's totally foreshadowing for later moments in the film. And once Millie sees her, she like reams her out in this really weirdly maternal way. Like you mm. made a huge mess. Look what you did, blah, blah, blah. And now I have to go to the grocery store this to get really another gonna, one. Yeah, this is really going to make me late for my plans or whatever. Something yeah, like totally. Yeah. And so the moment is the camera zooms in on after Millie has left the apartment to go back to the grocery store to retrieve the now like one missing cocktail yeah, sauce. Really micro. Yeah, the moment is Sissy SpaceX <laughs> like brings the jar to her chest which is covered in sauce and rakes it upward against the fabric as if to put the sauce back in the jar. It is the wrong thing to do, right? Like this is not the way to clean up the mess is to put the sauce back into the jar in any kind of way. It's just such a great potent image for things going awry in a way that they can never be made right again. And she creates this kind of unmistakable chaos And then the gesture has so much futility in it. It really underscores her childlike nature. That's the part I was going to bring up is it ties into that whole theme. Her misunderstanding of props or objects, her sort of like lack of understanding of her own body and space and her general sort of atheism toward consequences. I think it's (laughs) such a weird and stirring moment and the camera lingers with it long enough that I feel it like does. we're invited to yeah. make at least as much of it as I have. <laughs> that was just good. Now. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I was thinking of that a little slightly before you said it, but probably around the same time you thought it was, yeah, that, that childlike thing. Cause it, that's such a central motif of the, the first, I should, I don't even think we've said they, they switch identities a little bit after that. <laughs> Which makes it sound like it's really straightforward, but yeah. it's not. Yeah. They, they touch <laughs> fingers and then they swap identities. <laughs> Just like in those 80s movies. Yeah. Yeah. No, she wins something at a fair and all of a sudden she's big. <laughs> but that, that childlike innocence that is both uh, just grating and annoying and also interesting and fascinating. 
psychologically. Yeah. So without a backstory, we're free to put whatever explanation we want for how a human ends up like this at this age. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, like, watching that scene once you told me, hey, this is the moment, and I rewatched that moment again this morning. I was like, oh, that's 100% what I hope they've grown out of this by now, but uh, 100% what both my kids would do if they spilled something. Right, right. You know, like, my son is famous for, like, oh, you spilled soda. He's like, let me suck it off the table, you know? I don't even know what that means. But, I mean, he'll, like, he'll get down there and go... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I've... And uh, I felt like, oh, you spilled ice cream. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you know. So she didn't, she didn't try to eat it, but she did exactly. She's like, well, I I can save some of this. And and in her head, I think she's also thinking, what a great idea that Shelley Duvall's character is going to love that I'm actually saving some of the sauce back into the jar because it solves the problem of what do we put back in here? Because for some reason, (laughs) in this dream logic, you can't put ketchup into that bottle because that will make it taste weird. Well, it's also like, yeah, you, like, what? you know, like we can't We're just describing a real movie. one red sauce with another, you know, like, yeah. there is, yeah, something really childlike about it. And I just love that the weirdness in this movie is not constrained to any like single exclusive part. So like the story is mm-hmm. weird. The performances are weird. The paintings are weird. The paintings are weird. Palm Springs is weird. Palm Springs is very weird. Being a woman is weird. Sharing a bedroom with your roommate is weird. All of it yeah. is totally strange, including what you do after you make a mess. <laughs> That's it. Thanks for listening to another installment of our new bite-sized monthly series in conversation with and sponsored by our friends at Gallery. We would actually love for you to join the conversation as well. For details about Gallery's live film discussions, including some that Veronica and I will be doing, sign up at join.gallery.com BWDR. Our theme music is composed by Chad Perman. This podcast is produced and edited by Eli Sands.